Hello, and welcome to another episode of Streaming Science, a creative, student-run podcast series from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We bring the science directly to you. The goal of Streaming Science is to increase science literacy through the interactive discussions with scientists about topics that affect your everyday life. I am your host, Chelsea Seidel, a senior in agricultural leadership, education, and communication from Abbey, Nebraska. This episode of Streaming Science is focused on women in STEM, which include entomology. As a UNL student, I was drawn to this topic because entomology has a huge effect on the yield of our crops. I researched entomology and found that there are 342 different insects here in Nebraska, and that Dr. Tiffany Hangmoss here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln is a great resource for more information in this area. Joining me here today is Dr. Hangmoss, the Associate Dean for the College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources. She has her Bachelor's in Horticulture and her Master's and PhD in Entomology. She has been actively researching insects since 1997. My name is Tiffany and my last name is Hangmoss, and so um, our whole research is at the interface of insect-plant interactions and really trying to uncover the underlying plant defense response to aphid feeding. And so we work in switchgrass system, we work in soybean system, but up before these two systems I'd worked in wheat, I'd worked in sorghum, I'd done a little bit of work in corn, done some work in um, buffalo grass, also did some work in barley. And so, because my skill set is transferable, right, I'm able to adapt to wherever there's a particular problem that it's at that interface of insect plant interactions we're able to work in that space. Very few work in the space of tolerance, so when it comes to plant resistance to insects, most work with a trait that is what we call antibiotic or antizymotic, which basically means the plant possesses some characteristic that like kills the insect, right? And so maybe the plant produces a toxin, or maybe the plant has hairs all over it, right? And so the insects um, can't get their feeding apparatus onto the plant to be able to feed, or the hairs mess up, they're overpositional behavior, laying eggs, those types of things. And that's a lot easier to work in because usually it's a single gene that control that. Intolerance is many genes that take a look at it. But the disadvantage of antibiosis and antizoonosis is the insects are so adaptable that over a period of time, you already develop what we call biotypes. And so you select for those aphids which can survive on those plants that have the hairs on them or that have natural ways to detoxify those toxins that they're consuming. And so with soybean aphid, they started out with an antibiotic source. They were called the rag traits. And before it actually got commercially available, they already had discovered resistance to it with the aphids in Ohio because they've been doing so many trials in that. So it's, it's not durable. Tolerance is durable. Dr. Hangmoss, it feels like you've done so much with this research over a long period of time, but do you feel like you're the only one working on it, or is this more of like a group effort that has put all of this research together? So when it comes to my research, the focus is always on a team-based approach, and so that's utilizing not only expertise within entomology, but I work from a systems perspective, and so it's also working with colleagues in Department of Biochemistry, Department of Agronomy and Horticulture, and those that are working on the various plant systems, to faculty in the School of um, Biological Sciences, as well as scientists from the United States Department of Agriculture also. And over the years, I mentioned I've been very uh, fortunate to have a great group of undergraduates that have worked on projects to graduate students. I think I've had now over 20 graduate students. And I've had 
two postdocs over that time, and they've been instrumental um, in really doing a lot of the research related to the focus of what our um, questions are that we're trying to answer. I love that you work with so many different people throughout the, your research here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Is there any current experiments or research that you're doing to expand your knowledge in the entomology area? I'll talk about two recent um, research areas that we've been focusing on. One is soybean and soybean aphid. And so up until the early 2000s, hadn't even thought about working with soybeans. But one of my colleagues up in Northeast Nebraska, they first started detecting that there was a problem with the soybean aphid, which was an introduced pest. And I don't know if you remember this, but it would have been in the early 2000s. They actually had to call off a Minnesota Twins baseball game because there were so many of these aphids flying around and nobody knew what they were and it was distracting the players. They were flying up around their eyes and all of that. And so that's really where the soybean aphid first got its big national news was from that. And so there were a lot of research that went into trying to develop plants that had resistance to this aphid and also to think about biological control in that. And so where my lab stepped in is we were the only lab um, in the entire U.S. that wanted to work on tolerance of soybeans um, to soybean aphid. And what that is looking at is trying to figure out, are there different genetic variations of soybean plants that have good yields, but under the pressure of insects are adapted in such a way that they can compensate for the aphid feeding. And so in essence, the aphids will still get on those plants and they'll still feed upon them, but the plant is able to do something to be able to compensate for it. And so we evaluated several, I mean hundreds, of different genetic makeups of these soybean plants. And we were able to identify one that had the characteristic that we were looking for, which was the tolerance trait. And so you had a susceptible plant, and you had a toler this tolerant plant, and then you had a tolerant plant that had no insects on it, right? And the susceptible one died immediately. And the tolerant plant with aphids over a period of time looked just like the plant that didn't have aphids on it. From a standpoint of visual damage all the way through looking at different yield parameters of that. So we knew that we were onto something with that. So the next step was not just to stop there, but if you're actually going to get it incorporated to something that farmers can use, it also has to have good yield. So then we started doing yield studies and we found out, unfortunately, the yield was really bad in the absence of aphids. So if you had aphids, it would do so much better than what growers were planting at the time. But if it didn't have aphids, its yield wasn't that good. And so what we needed to do is figure out what was controlling that tolerance response. So then we started looking at the biochemistry of the plant and what are the defense pathways that it's eliciting to be able to do this. And we found one pathway that seemed to be very important, and that was the role of peroxidases in reducing oxidative enzyme stress within a plant. And so Normally, when a plant has exposure to an insect, it produces hydrogen peroxide. And you've heard of hydrogen peroxide, right? It produces mm -hmm. hydrogen peroxide, and it's a balance for the plant because it wants to produce a little bit to elicit then production of these enzymes called one is peroxidases. But it can't get that level too high because otherwise that level will be toxic to the plant. And so anytime a plant has a stressor, you start to see these levels of hydrogen peroxide accumulate. And what happens is on a susceptible plant, 
they accumulate in response to the insect feeding. The plant is trying to also trigger them to create its defense network to take place. Susceptible one, though, can't compensate for the insect feeding. And so the hydrogen peroxide builds up faster than what the peroxidases are able to detoxify it. On a tolerant plant, just the opposite happens. And so it's able to ramp up these peroxidases. And so it keeps detoxifying all the hydrogen peroxide that is produced in the plant. So in essence, the plant doesn't really know that it has any injury that's occurred. And so it keeps doing that. You ask how long? Well, we know that any plant can become susceptible if given enough pressure. But the kinds of aphid levels that we see out in the field, typically, you don't get to a level where you have that problem. And so we did trials, large-scale trials out on the field, and we found that in the presence of aphids, so we had to naturally infest these plants. So you took a traditional variety that was being grown that had very good yield, right? And then you took our tolerant one. And what we found that is, okay, um, on these plants, you might expect to have 40-some percent injury. On the traditional plants that were being grown out there, if you had an aphid problem, 40% reduction. On ours, you would only have a 14% reduction. So it made a lot of sense, but still, growers aren't going to use it because there's no guarantee that they're always going to have aphid pressure and it's going to outweigh the reduction that they're going to um, see in that spot. So then we started working at the gene level. So we tried to do transcriptomics, in which now we can see all of the transcripts in a plant and we can see what changes. So you can take a plant that is tolerant that has insects and one that doesn't have insects, the same plant, and say, what are the different transcriptional changes? And when you see those transcriptional changes, in essence, that's what's happening as the defense of the plant, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we try to find what we call molecular markers. So you can go in and you can identify what those look like so you can start to screen material, or else you can actually use genetically modified organism techniques where you can pull some of those in. So that's a little bit of background on the soybean system. We've done that in conjunction with the Nebraska Soybean Board, um, Dr. George Graff, who's a soybean um, breeder here in Nebraska, as well as a group of um, plant breeders from Kansas State also. And then many, many people that work in the interface of the soybean plant and that insect interaction side of things. And then we're also um, working on switchgrass, looking at the interest in switchgrass as a bioenergy system and anticipating as you start to increase the production on a monoscale level, what might be happening then all of a sudden you might start to have pest problems. And so aphids are one that come to mind. And so we've been trying to get ahead of the curve. That's how we actually sold a, a grant. We were able to get a million dollars in to do research in this particular space and looking at how these switchgrasses may be naturally adapted to this tolerance um, response. And so same things that we did on the soybean side and we did with the switchgrass, but we're looking at different types of yield parameters, right? In this case, we're looking at biomass production versus in the soybean you're looking at yield on um, seed production. Dr. Hang Moss is a busy woman here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Although our time with her was short today, she encourages everyone through a quote that she is everywhere. The quote is from 1750 by Benjamin Franklin and it states, Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Involve me and I will learn. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Hang Moss, for joining us and to all of you for tuning in to listen to more streaming science podcasts, go to soundcloud.com slash streaming hyphen science. I'm your host, Chelsea Siddell, and we'll see you next time.